Welcome to another episode of Framing the Hammer. I am your host, Gavin Lodge, and the executive director of 4A Arts, the American Alliance for Artists and Audiences. And it is a special pleasure today to have as our guest, Charlie Reinhardt, the visionary founder of 4A Arts. Charlie, thank you for joining us. Mon pleasure. So is there anything that comes to mind when I say, what childhood moment, cultural experience, set you on the path that you followed? Second grade, Jefferson School in Summit, New Jersey. Our teacher taught us what she referred to as the Indian rain dance. And after we learned it, she said, next Friday, we're going to do it outside on the grass for the grown-ups and the other classes. And it was a beautiful afternoon, not a cloud in the sky. And there we are doing our toe heel in a circle. And all of a sudden, I notice that cloud on the horizon. And that cloud gets right over us and starts to drizzle all over us. And I remember thinking, you know, this dancing is powerful stuff. <laughs> that was it. That was my life right there. I mean, I suppose I think of these moments for people that inspire them as being magical, but that sounds, well, that's, that's, a, that's another level for sure. Well, it, uh, the impact of that never left me. And did that inspire you to do any more dancing? Uh, well, in this fourth grade, the sixth grade was doing the opera Aida, and they came to the fourth grade looking for four boys to dance the slave dance. So I got picked for that. And as a result, after the performances ended, that weekend, they took us to the 1939 New York World's Fair. And there I saw the wonders of the world that were going to come down the lane, like television and the new highway systems and et cetera. So I thought, wow, dancing did this again, didn't it? So that, that was, uh, that was a reaffirm, I reaffirmed my second grade. That's, uh, I guess we could have an entire, let's schedule another podcast to talk about the 1939 World's Fair. How amazing that you got to see that too. Did you go back oh, yeah. to the, was it 64 that was also in Queens? Yes, I saw that one too. Yeah, that was terrific. I, there was great dancing there. Amazing. Especially in the Spanish pavilion. I'll never forget it, the flamenco. Yeah. Ah, so dance has always had a real, real impact in your life. I mean, for context for our listeners, uh, Charlie worked for a very long time, and hopefully you'll tell us about it, with the American Dance Festival in uh, North Carolina. But w dances has dance has just always been your language, hasn't it? Well, I never thought about it. I just felt it. And it's always been my language. And I have a great regret. As a senior in high school, they asked me to count the votes for that they do, you know, best looking, best this, best that. So I counted all the votes and I didn't vote for myself. <laughs> and I lost best answer five votes to four. Oh, no. I've never forgotten that. Let that Since, be a lesson. That's exactly right. 
Stand up for yourself. Yeah, you That's may it. think sometimes, oh, I'm so humble that I'm not going to vote for myself. No, forget about it. It's almost like, how can how can somebody else love you if you don't love yourself? Well, how why should somebody else vote for you if you don't have the confidence to vote for yourself? So, wise words. I'm glad I made the mistake then and not recently. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell us, bringing it back to modern day and talking about foray arts what was the inspiration for you to found foray arts can you share that yes when i was a child i was very aware of my parents my grandparents being old people and they went to old people homes and they weren't treated very well and and then all of a sudden this organization, which started out as a teacher's organization, AARP, came into being. And now I can ride the buses, have fare, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm a senior. I'm no longer an old person, right? <laughs> so to me, in our country, the United States of America, the arts and arts education are so powerful and so important but they've never been appreciated or been made aware of their effect on our society and our individual lives. So I tried to get other existing organizations to do this and they said no. So after I retired from the ADF, the American Dance Festival, I started 4A on the hopes of achieving a membership of 40, 50 million people, since half our population is involved in the arts in one way or another, to become members. And then we can change the whole social, political view of the arts in our country and get that elevated to go from the basement to the top floor. I mean, there aren't many countries in the world that don't have a minister of culture in the arts, for example. We're one of the very, very few, and which is indicative of how we view it. Now, to me, this is a cause. And the whole purpose of Foray is making people aware of this. And by creating this website where artists and arts organizations can put up their activities on the website free is the first step in the beginning to develop our four-step pattern of how to achieve our goal. That makes perfect sense. Why do you, th something that struck me as you were speaking there, uh, why do you think that other organizations said no to your idea? It, you know, it's interesting. The things that are important in our lives today and count both socially and politically didn't really count 50 years ago, did they? So all the effort, all these people put into making these causes and their mission, making people 
aware of them took a while, didn't it? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, that, so that's what we need to do. And I think once this awareness begins to happen, they're going to go, oh, my God, I, you know, of course, of course, of course. So that's really what we need to do. And I don't think it's going to be that difficult once we get the message out there of what we're doing. I think you're exactly right that this is a it's a non-political movement within a very politically polarized society, unfortunately. But when you talk to anybody from any stripe and leaving politics, obviously out of it, but it, we are an increasingly stratified society. But there is one common thread that we all share, and that is just simply creative expression in so many different ways. But uh, it, it does I've. I agree with you. It's so inherent that we value uh, arts education and we value creative expression and we value the talents in other people that it, we just need to turn that light bulb on to make people have their aha moments collectively so that they say, yes, this is absolutely worthy of putting a lot more heft behind. Let's go back to that word creative. Arts education teaches individual creativity. Individual creativity is the force behind any activity that we do which progresses through the time. So no matter what direction you go into, take those 50% of people who they say are not involved in the arts, even though they are, once you make a selection of what shirt goes with what pants, you made an artistic decision, right? Absolutely. Everyone is an artist every yeah. single day of their lives. So the, whatever direction you go in, it's creativity which is going to advance that direction and you in that direction. And the arts teaches that as a young child is so vital to our existence and our progress. Yes. And our very identity, both individually, <clears throat> collectively, communally, and nationally. Absolutely. Um, you might have already answered this, but I am, I guess I'm curious, what where was the moment in your career that made you say this niche needs to be filled? You talked about thinking about the support that AARP has given you as a senior and that probably your parents and grandparents lacked. But was there a moment where, where, for instance, you were organizing something with the dance festival and you thought, wait a minute, why isn't, like, I can't get done what I need to get done right now. Why isn't there somebody else out there doing it? For me personally, this mission was not... Uh stroke of lightning. It just kind of grew through the decades as I was dealing with all the kinds of problems that we're all dealing with within the arts and trying to find the great artists, trying to find the audience for them, etc. And it just evolved into that. And after I retired as at the ADF in 2011, 
And after having gone through some real health issues at that same time, this thought burst like a cloud. Or no, not like a cloud. <laughs> it burst like lightning. Uh-huh. And I realized, what can I do? So that was it, really. Uh-huh. A long simmering um, frustration with the entire system for a really long time. But uh, yeah. yeah. If if you'd if you'd if that lightning bolt had come a few decades ago, uh, what do you think you would have liked to see accomplished? I mean, part of that is right along the lines with your, your vision for where you hope 4As goes, but if you had come up with it a couple of decades ago, what changes would you have liked to see within the time that you were still at the ADF? I mean, changes in the in our view of the arts in our country. That, but yes, and I guess also, how might it have affected your time at ADF? Well, my time at the ADF was golden. I mean, being able to take this American indigenous art form, which has no definition, which includes everything and look at it as a world evolving art form and helping those great choreographers around the world and in our country get seen and help promote their careers. I, that's my dessert of life. So I can't think of anything better. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's all, it's the creative artists that makes my my visual joy, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where I was concentrated. And, you know, we were working around the world. China's modern dance we developed in Russia, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was really 100% occupying my existence. Right. I suppose if something like forays had already existed, it would have helped you, it would have helped your cause to not necessarily have to advocate for what? Funding or for notoriety? Because hopefully people would have, you wouldn't have had to explain anything to them theoretically, right? Absolutely. Funding, funding. What's that? Oh, (laughs) that's how I wore my four pair of knees out, right? (laughs) <laughs> Funding. That's right. <laughs> how well along those lines? Then, how much of your time was spent artistically, and the rest, and how much was spent just financially, just scraping and charming and whining and dining and asking? They went together. I was, you know, we were lucky in our art form because there was a discovery happening among the big funders that they hadn't taken care of this or even looked at it yet. So that timing for American modern dance with all the big foundations, timing with great young and existing and old choreographers was extraordinarily lucky. And so that was my time. I mean, 
Can you imagine walking into one of the big foundations in the country back then and saying, what do you, I got this idea, what do you think? They said, oh, terrific, send me a letter. Now you have to go through months, right? <laughs> of sending in proposals, et cetera, et cetera. Back then it was much easier because- there was an awakening, awakening at the time with, say, corporate funding, are you saying? And grants? No, oh. Ford and, and, and Mellon and Rockefeller. Yeah. And the State Department had a cultural presentation program to bring in artists and send our artists abroad, et cetera. All of that was foaming at the same time. And, you know, and... Uh, there were the Paul Taylors and the Merce Cunninghams, et cetera, and Alvin Ailey's and all blossoming at this time. Right. Many others. So, I mean, it was just the pot was boiling. Yeah. And the energy to turn the flame on was there, you know? It was, that's how lucky we were. And the ADF, since it's about, I don't know today, but it was then really the only festival devoted to this American indigenous art form, which then became devoted to the art form internationally. Uh, we got a lot of help. Mm -hmm. That was great timing, wasn't it? I mean, lots of, well, was it luck? It was opportunity, meeting, preparation, and uh, all of those? Yes, all of those things, and it happened. That's the great part. That's the yeah. final, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what are your blue sky hopes for what we will accomplish? I appreciate you reminding us of taking, by us, I mean 4A Arts, bringing arts and culture from the basement to the penthouse suite and letting it be a higher priority for American society and for elected leaders and for all of us to realize the importance and the magnetism that is our American collective artistic cultural identity. What is your ultimate hope and dream for 4As? My dream for 4A is that we get this country and its leaders, at every level its leaders, to do, not do anything without thinking about, well, the arts and arts education, how do they play a role in this? That's the goal. Make and right now, that's not happening. I love that. Making it a systemic consideration. Before right. you make other choices, you think about the ramifications or the value or the how do we incorporate <laughs> arts um, and make that a, almost like a, a foregone conclusion that you always consider arts in further decision making. That's it. Mm. That's it. Um, what? Uh, so can you say, is there a um, bit of artistic experience that you've recently had that was, uh, that has stayed with you? Yes. Uh, I consider, and this is very personal, the most astonishing choreographer of the 21st century so far to be Shen Wei, who was born in China and grew up in China and at age nine was sent to 
is at an academy where he learned the traditional performing arts of China. He became a member of our project of the Guangdong Dance Academy, an ADF Guangdong, introducing modern dance into China. He then, he is the kind of artist who is multiple artists. His paintings are extraordinary. His filmmaking is extraordinary, et cetera, right? And then he came to this country, not speaking a word of English when he arrived. <clears throat> and we brought him to the ADF and he made a work for us. And the students who made the work on became his company. And then he traveled all around the world. In fact, millions, if not billions, saw his opening work at was it the 1998 uh, Olympics in China. He did the opening dance part. Got it. Yep. And, and then he was traveled all around the world with his company. Huge acceptance. And... He just got the Scripps ADF award of $50,000, which goes to a choreographer over 50 years old for their lifetime achievement. And it, that list is, starts with Martha Graham, et cetera. And to see his art, which is like he took everything that went into him from China and the rest of the world, the East and the West, dissected it to its basic and then created a new path in his choreographic work, which takes my breath away. And to have that experience still at my age, it really is rare, except when I see Shen Bai's work. So there it is, you know. And it just fills me with such good vibes uh -huh. when I think about it <clears throat> and see him and see his work and his paintings. and his, Ah, it just goes on. Anyway, that's, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I love that, that he continues to admire, and you just recently had an experience with him being able to uh, give that award to him. Uh, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Thank you for right. bringing that. We will link that um, on our website, um, it linked to this po podcast, so that people can experience a little more of what you're talking about here, hopefully. So, Charlie, thank you for uh, sharing more with our listening audience what you and I have talked about a lot, and I appreciate it. You are uh, the ultimate ambassador for this mission and what you have founded and what have you have envisioned is going to change the world. So uh, thank you for taking some time out of your day and uh, chatting with us. Well, and that hammer behind you? Yes. We're going to use it. <laughs> well, as a reminder for our listeners that uh, Charlie just referenced, over my shoulder there is uh, a hammer in a frame which uh, inspired me to title this podcast, Framing the Hammer, way back from my days with my English teacher who walked into the classroom with two nails and a hammer and a frame, put two nails in, put the frame up, and then put the hammer in the middle. And he said, is that art? 
and it was a life-changing experience for me to discuss what is art and and it's obviously many subjective interpretations but yes um, we'll use that hammer to uh, break the system and reconstruct it and and make it all art terrific thank you charlie thank you talk to you soon thanks gavin take care of yourself